0: Everybody still holding Second Chronicles chapter 12? Did I say Corinthians? Yeah. I meant Chronicles. I told you guys I was nervous. I meant Chronicles. So you were holding the wrong spot, but that's my fault. While you're going to Second Chronicles 12 and um, holding that spot, um, how many of you remember uh, several months ago it was one of the first few services with Brother Herring that we had and he said the Lord had been dealing with him about him giving about the Lord giving us a regional harvest and revival. Everybody remember that? Okay. So I will. am I'm, I'm talking about that a little bit tonight indirectly. Um, as we know, the promises in Antioch are vast. Um, I don't know how many of you have had a chance to go back through and review any of the promises. Um, if you would like to see them, if you haven't seen them yet, please see me after church. I can email them to you, text them to you. Because there's something that we should all latch on to and confess regularly. Even if you don't confess each one Confessing to the Lord in general, Father, I believe every promise that you've given to to Antioch as a body. I believe every promise you've given to Antioch Central as as a body. I believe every promise you've given me as a as an individual. If you haven't seen those promises as they were given to Antioch um, over the years, please please let one of the leaders know we have we have them in a nice little PDF we can send you. We would love for for everyone to have access to that. All right, uh, but part of Part of, uh, part of the promises being realized is individual effort on each of our part. Okay? The promises of God are in him, yea, and amen, but he does not do anything without the agency of humanity. He doesn't just move sovereignly, he doesn't. God is sovereign, but he has limited himself to working in and through humanity. So as part of that, each of us has a part to play in seeing the harvest reaped and seeing revival had. Because revival is a reviving, right? It's something that happens to the body. And as a result of the reviving of the body, Harvest is, is 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 observed and walked into, and the, it's the Lord's desire for us to to live in a in a perpetual harvest, where there is consistently seed being sown and consistently uh, fruit being reaped as a result of the seed that's sown. It's it's perpetual. It's it's supposed to be. That's what the Lord wants. The Scripture talks about how there will be a time where the where the the plowman will will overtake the the reaper, or the reaper will overtake the plowman. And that's speaking of a cycle of harvest that is perpetual. It just continues all the time. And we're, we're pretty close to that. And how can I say that? Have you all noticed how frequently we have people receive the Holy Ghost in this church? I have not been to every church in America or in the world, but from what people tell me, that's rare. It's not normal. It's not, okay? There are churches that go months or years without seeing somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. That does not happen here very often. And that's not because we are great. It's not because we are special. It's because there have been things set in operation here years ago that now as new leaders are coming on the scene, we are, as leaders here, we are all putting our hands on the net, putting our hands on the plow and saying, we agree with everything that has come before and we will work with the Lord to allow these things to continue. Okay. So that's why that's why things are continuing now. There have been rough patches, obviously. We've all been around, and, you know, some of the strong messages pastors preached over the last several months and several years. And all of that is part of it. You guys are still holding Second Chronicles, right? What chapter? Okay, everybody's with me. Great. So all of that being said, something else that I want to digress about, is there are no throwaway church services. Even this one. Not a throwaway. Not a throwaway at all. You guys agree with that? Good. I do too. And the reason I agree with it is because when you have services that you throw away, nothing gets accomplished. But when every service Every prayer meeting, every oikos gathering is something, it's an additional brick that's being put on the building that is Antioch Central. Yeah. We're getting closer and closer to, the, to, the, to that destiny that God has for us as a body. Okay? So I'll be talking about that tonight. Um, the title of this lesson is Preparation for Visitation. So if you will now... Open your Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Just wanted to make sure you were listening. Just wanted to make sure. I I'm, I'm at Second Chronicles chapter twelve. Am I? So this happened recently. I gotta I gotta digress about this one. I gotta tell on myself. So we were at a young adult gathering two weeks ago, and. I had this very, Sister Gross, I had this very nice lesson planned. The Lord had given it to me. It was going to be great. And I start reading the wrong chapter and couldn't figure out why it didn't sound right. And so everybody in the room just kind of stares at me. What chapter are you in? Turns out I was two chapters in the wrong direction. So... My Corinthians thing is actually, f- it's frequent, it's a frequent mistake. Um, Second Chronicles 12, 14, everybody ready? Okay. We're going to actually go back to verse 13, just to throw a little wrench into this. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and 40 years old when he began to reign. That means he was 41. And he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. That means until he was 58. Ready, good with the math? Okay, cool. The city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, that was Jerusalem, to put his name there, and his mother's name was Naamah the Ammonitess. Verse 14. And he did evil. Everybody say evil. Because he prepared not, everybody say prepared not, his heart to seek the Lord. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Okay. So, I've been doing a a, a bit of a study, uh, sort of. On, uh, on Jerusalem, on the children of Israel, specifically the time frame um, in the middle of, of Samuel's time as judge when Israel started requesting a king until the time they were taken into captivity. So throughout the reign of Saul and David and then, the, then of Solomon and then the kings of Israel and Judah. And one of the things that I've observed in the scripture is that many of the things the children of Israel struggled with were their own fault. I used to, I used to, I was under, I used to think and was under the false impression that it was some evil spirit sent from the devil that tempted them. It, and it, but it was not, it was their own choices And the same is true for us. The same is true for us. Our greatest hurdle, the biggest hurdle we have, is not the enemy. Brother Evans, he literally can't do anything to stop us when we are in the will of God. There is nothing he can do. He can fight, he can scream, he can holler, and he can roar which he does like to do occasionally. But he can't truly do anything with the church when we are walking in the will of God. So his best bet is to hope and pray that we make the wrong choices. So the devil does pray. (laughs) He hopes and prays that we make the wrong choices because it's our choices that open the door for the enemy to distract us, to leverage our flesh against us. And that's when those evil spirits come, after we make the wrong choices. Okay, so here we have Rehoboam, whose mother, whose mother uh, was an Ammonitis, That refers to the Ammonites. The Ammonites were an idol-worshiping culture. So there is an implication here that Rehoboam worshipped idols, and that was part of the bad choices that he made. But I want to look at specifically the words the words in this, um, in this sentence prepared, and the word heart. Okay. The word prepare in the Hebrew means to to be set up, to be established, to be fixed. It means. Of 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 work, it means to be arranged, to to be settled, to be ordered. This is not necessarily even saying that that Rehoboam didn't, you know, didn't think about God. It's saying that he he didn't have an ordered heart. Now, here's where I like to plug ordering your private world. If you've never read it, you should probably read it. But if your heart is not ordered, it is very likely that the choices that come out of your heart are going to be the incorrect ones. The book of Proverbs says that we should guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it, are the issues of life. So if we do not have a heart that is ordered and ready and established to seek God, we will do evil. The next thing I want us to look at here is the word heart. The word heart, um, according to um, a bunch of these different... uh, Hebrew dictionaries is, it's specifically referring to the inner man, the mind, the will, one's inner self, one's inner inclinations, one's disposition, one's intention, one's attention, and the things, one's reason and the things one considers, one's considerate, somebody's considerations. So this speaks of everything that goes on inside of the heart. Not the physical human heart, but the consciousness of the heart. Just like the mind is different from the brain, the consciousness is different than the physical heart. Okay? If, you, if we do not order our hearts, order the innermost parts of us to seek the Lord... There are things in our destiny as a people we will not see. Because ultimately, that's what God is after. God is after our heart. God is after our choices. But since the garden, he has decided that he will not rule man with an iron fist. He has decided that he will allow man to choose his fate. You know, there are people that say they want more of God. I want more of God in my life. Really? How are you preparing your heart to have more of God? How are you ordering your heart to have more of God? Because our heart is finite. While we don't know the limitations of it, there are limitations of it. There are limitations of, of your, uh, your consciousness, limitations of your inclinations, limitations of your considerations. There's, there, there's a fixed amount of space inside there. So, what are you doing? What am I doing? To create space in my heart so that more of God can be manifested in me. What am I doing? This is not in the notes, but Jesus did not say, if you pray, pray this way. There is an operative word there. Brother John just said it it's when he did not say if you give there is another operative word there he said when he didn't here's the one we all love he did not say if you fast anybody fasted lately don't raise your hand please actually raise your hand anybody fasted recently It does my heart good to see that. I'm serious. I'm not joking with you. Good job. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to wait for the pastor to call a fast for us to fast. We're not. We're supposed to follow the Holy Ghost that operates inside of us. And when you get that signal that says you need to miss a few meals, we have to obey. There are, now, I'm sure there are some of you that, that, that you, you know exactly how the Lord deals with you when it comes to fasting, when it comes to whatever. You know, we, we need to be sensitive to the moving of the Spirit to be obedient in fasting. We must. Otherwise, we won't be correctly prepared. Another definition for this word, prepare, is to set up. To be fitted is one of the ways it's translated. To fasten, be fixed, to be framed, to ordain. We must set up our hearts in such a way that it is that we are prepared to seek the Lord. We must, we must do that work. Otherwise, our individual fate and our collective fate, and I'm using the term fate loosely, not in the, not in the, um, uh, what's the word, the classical sense of the word fate prefer the word destiny so I'll use that our collective and individual destiny will be missed out on because we have not prepared our hearts to seek the lord everybody with me okay so in in the story of israel you can in the story of the people of israel you can directly tie everything that happened back to similar statements like this, where the people of Israel did not follow the Lord. They either didn't prepare their hearts to seek the Lord, or they did not follow the way of the Lord fully. There are so, there are so many. I wish I could count them all. Uh, but, but today, we would, we would run out of time just talking about all of the stories and the specific times where God said, because you have not followed me fully, I can't do what I said. I can't do what I said. So that brings us to a point where much of the work of the kingdom then becomes what God does in us. According to Isaiah chapter nine, verse six and seven of the increase of the government of God, of his government in peace, there shall be no end. That is what the word says. But there is a there is a limit to the kingdoms of our earth. There is. But when you start thinking about what that really means, it, 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 it can, we can start talking about the universe. We can start talking about other worlds. We can also start talking about the increase of God's government and peace inside of us. Must be increasing all the time. Luke chapter 17 verse 20 says this. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. That word observation means inspection. He's telling them that you can't just look, look into it with, the, with, with your intellect and with your eyes and find the kingdom. That's not how you find it. Neither... Shall they say, lo here or lo there? For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Right, 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 right. If the kingdom of God is within us and God is ever reaching, ever expanding, then that means the kingdom of God that resides inside of me must always be allowed to increase in me. And we know the scripture says that the Lord our God is a consuming fire. So if God and his kingdom are inside of me, then that fire should be consuming me. Otherwise known as fundamentally changing me. Fire changes the DNA of of everything it touches. It's not just looking, it's not just burnt. Fire, wood is not just burnt when it touches fire. The DNA of that wood is fundamentally changed by the fire that has touched it. So if that fire is in me, And increasing. That means I should be changing. My character should be changing. Not regressing, not changing in regression, but changing progressively, continually. Not in the way that self-help teaches us, where we inspect ourselves and we begin to look at the intricacies of our own personalities and our own character and then start making changes to ourselves. No. But allowing the Holy Ghost to change us. To allow that gap between, that exists between the gift of God and my humanity to continue to get wider so that I can know there is a difference between me, me over here, and God in me. There are things that, that my, my wife has said about me that I don't get. And the only thing I can attribute them to is God. That's the only thing, Brother Brown, because I know me. I live with me. It's a full-time gig, man. You don't get any days off. (laughs) Talk about a 40-hour week. Yeah, I wish. (laughs) It's a full-time job living with this guy. And I I, I know what's going on in here. And it's not always easy, and it's not always clean and nice and pretty packaged with a bow. But somehow, some way, if, if the one that lives with me as much as I do says, says there's some good, there's some stuff in there that's, that's positive. I can then say that is God. And I am appreciative of, of being able to, 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 to hear the the witness that there is some change going on here. There is some change going on in here. So as, as that fire touches us and changes us, and that, as that expansion takes place in us, because that's where it has to start, everybody. It has to start in us. And I'm, I don't say, and I'm not using the word start because none, none of us in here are, are, are progressing. That's, I'm just using the, using the word start because that's the only one I can think of right now. But we have to continue. We, we can't become stagnant. We can't reach a point where we say, ah, alas, alas, because if you're going to sigh, you must say alas, alas, it is enough, enough change. Enough, 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 enough DNA changes, Lord, I am changed out. Don't bring any more my way. We can't reach that point we can't reach that point. Okay. Okay. Everybody good? Praise the Lord. All right. So as as that expansion takes place as that fire consumes us and, and alters us, we reach moments like Matthew chapter 10 and Acts chapter 13 verse 2. And this is where the regional harvest and revival comes in that I was referencing earlier. I'm going to I'm going to just going to read I'm not going to teach you on this part because it is a lesson unto itself. But in Acts chapter 13, something very specific begins to happen at Antioch. This is part of of God taking his hand off of the church of Jerusalem and putting it on the church at Antioch. That is not to say that the church in Jerusalem lost their salvation. That is not what I'm referring to. But if you read the book of Acts, you'll you'll see that there there is a moment there where the Lord begins to use more the people of Antioch because they were willing to do what he wanted. So as part of that, verse one, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So they are just doing the work to prepare their hearts to seek the Lord. And out out of their blue, out of their nowhere, God says, okay, there are two people that I believe have reached a point where I'm ready to expand through them. And I want you to separate them for the work that I am called to. We we hear messages like, like the ones that Brother Herring has preached, like the ones that Bishop has preached here, and all the other great men of God that have preached powerful prophetic messages here about what God is going to do. And we wonder, why isn't it? happening. Why can't I see it? Well, let me tell you what you can't see. There are more than 20 men and women in this church that have confessed that God has called them to pastor or lead churches. Whether you, so for those of you that are in the AML program, that's what you signed up for, by the way. Some of you will start churches. Some of you will. And then some of you will pa- take to those churches and pastor them after the person has started them. It's the work of the kingdom. Okay? That's what you that's what many of you have signed up for. So, while there while many of us can't see evidence of the of that kingdom increasing because we're not actively Starting preaching points and darter works out of, like, 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 like everybody gets one. Like everybody's passed them out. There is still preparation that is going on. And we cannot become weary with the preparation of our heart. We are doing the will of God. We are where we're supposed to be. And we are moving forward into perfection, which is completeness. We are. We absolutely are moving into completion. But we can't lose heart with the fact that I can't see it with my eyes yet. But if you pray and close your eyes, can you sense in the Holy Ghost that faith is being exercised? In this moment, right now, there are hearts being changed by what's happening in this room right now. Because the Spirit of God is moving. There are are prayer warriors that are being prepared for a ministry in prayer. There are prophets that are in hiding and in preparation in in this church that you don't know about yet. There are men and women preachers in this room right now who are in preparation for what God has for them in the future. But we have to continue to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. We have to continue to do the work. All right. So the other verse, the other chapter that I mentioned was Matthew chapter ten. And if you will go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter ten, we're going to spend a few more minutes just talking about some more principles of preparing our hearts. And this is um, this particular passage is where the where uh, this passage and one in Luke chapter ten verse one is is where this, the, the lesson name get, comes from. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, please hold Matthew 10. Please hold that. I'm just going to read this for context. It is said of Jesus, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. So in our, in our personal preparation for the kingdom. We can't forget that there is also a preparation for for him to of work for work that he wants to do through us, not just in us but through us. It's the same it's the same flow. Okay? It's the same flow. And so he is preparing us <clears throat> preparing us to do a work in cities, in towns, in neighborhoods to prepare them for a visitation of his spirit. Okay? So now, if you'll go with me to Matthew chapter 10, there are some principles here that uh, I have... I've kind of fallen in love with, really. And um, there's a number of things here, and each of these principles can be a lesson unto themselves. And... um, there are, there are only four that I'm going to give you tonight. Everybody good? If you're not, I'm going to keep going. So, Matthew chapter 10, and if you'll go to verse 5 with me. We're going to read verse 5 and verse 6. All right. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Principle number one of preparing for a visitation is we go only where God instructs us to go. Book of Romans teaches us as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We can't forget that. We can't just look at a map, close our eyes and shoot a dart and say, that's where we're going to go. That's where we're going to launch a church. That's where we're going to plan a new daughter work. That's where we're going to start a Bible studies and preaching point. No, that's not how it works. We have got to be led by the spirit of God. There's got to be a signal that's given to us by God to do whatever he's asking us to do. It can't just be by the will of man. It has to be by the will of God. Now, special note here. The scripture says um, in this verse, Jesus sent forth. Um, The the Greek word there means to set apart or to send out, which is akin to the word apostle. Those that are sent out by God to start a work, to start something new for the kingdom. Principle number two, let's go to Matthew chapter 7 verse 8. And as you go, did I say verse 8 or verse 7? I meant chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. I did it again. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just moving too fast. I have it labeled clearly right here and still said the wrong thing. I am so sorry. And as you go, preach saying, for the record, no matter what I say, we're staying in Matthew 10. No matter what I say, we're staying in Matthew 10. We'll be in Matthew 10. (laughs) Okay. Matthew 7. Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. See, I told you I was going to do it. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. The principle here. Preach and demonstrate the power of the kingdom. Wherever God sends you, the kingdom must be demonstrated. It must be demonstrated. I had a unique thing happen to me a few weeks ago, and I hope he's not watching. Kasim, if you're watching, I'm sorry. I'm sitting at work one day, and I'm passionate about God. I'm pretty passionate. And I'm very passionate about how God works through us in our humanity to do different things: parenting, jobs, all those sorts of things. But this particular day, I was fired up about God parenting. Whoa, I was fired up. So I'm sitting at work, and I don't even remember the conversation at the moment. But about five minutes into the conversation, I realized that I was talking at volume level eight. And I was nearly spitting at my coworker. And so, I, you know, I am one to make a scene. But there was—it a—I had to check myself for a split second, Brother Bard, And I went, "Okay, is this God or is this me?" So I did check. Okay, this is God. I can't stop then. <laughs> so we went for about 10 minutes. And if it's God, you can't apologize. That's a lesson that I've learned. So I didn't do any of those things and went throughout the day, went home, mentioned it to my wife. And so the next day I went to work and so that that, that like 12, 18-hour period that we didn't see each other, I'm with within myself preparing my heart to seek the lord I'm, I'm in myself i'm going hey lord i cannot apologize for anything you said and i can't apologize for being passionate because that was you not me so how can i bring this up in such a way to kind of see where he's at and so i feel like the lord gave me something so he he came in the work i was like hey man i just want to say I got pretty passionate yesterday when we were talking. Everything good? <laughs> and he was like, oh, man, it's, it's perfect. It's fine. You were, it, was, it, was, it was great. And I went home and was telling my wife about everything we were talking about. And I was like, yes. Yes. So preach and demonstrate the kingdom. Where you are, do not put yourself in a position where your good can be evil spoken of. The only reason that I was able to do that at my workplace is because those kinds of things are normal. People get on their soapboxes very regularly and things get very sudsy whether it's about politics, the war, the, the the decline of society, it gets pretty sudsy. So it was just like I was on a soapbox, and it was fine. But every workplace is not like that. So you and I have to do the work within our hearts to prepare ourselves, whenever the door is open, to walk through it, and be as mindful of other people as the Holy Ghost will allow. Not everybody has the same leeway. I'm not telling you to go to your job and scream at a a volume level eight at your coworkers about the gospel. I'm not telling you that. And if somebody, if you tell somebody that I said that, I will deny it (laughs) because I didn't say it (laughs) and God didn't say it either. You know, so take me a step back. We only got a couple of principles left. I want to say, say something here. The Holy Ghost wants, wants to say something here. We get caught up with personality things. And really what it is is we haven't done enough preparation in our own hearts to get our personalities out of the way so that we can do the work of God That's really what's going on Well brother Isaac you're you're bold and so you No, no, no My personality is that I want people to like me I do But one of the things my dear, gracious, loving Heavenly Father has taught me is that I can't live for the approval of man. So, Sister Terrell, you know what I have to do? I have to put that part, I have to put my personality, not that part of my personality. I have to put my personality on the cross every single day. Otherwise, I will live for the wrong thing. And whether you are extroverted or introverted or purple, blue, or green, you and I all have to take our personalities and lay them on the cross and say, Father, this is me. This is who you made me to be. I'm laying it down so that you can use me. No color bashing. No personality bashing. We all have to lay down our personalities so that God can use us. Have you guys ever noticed that there are limitations to your personality? That your personality doesn't quite have certain ranges that you can't get to? You know why? Because it's a limitation. But you know what, you want to know a trick to, to getting more range? Die. Yeah. Yeah. Die to your flesh, lay your personality on the altar, and let me tell you, the Lord will allow you to touch the entire range of personality. and you'll be able to connect with anyone. But not until you die. Not until you die. Not until you die. And I will tell you, we all have that moment where we die, where we know I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in with, with hid in Christ with God hid with Christ in God, whatever however he said. We we have that moment, right? Everybody we're supposed to have that moment? Remember a phrase. Everybody knows we're supposed to have that moment, right? (laughs) Okay. We're supposed to have that moment. However, the same man that said that said, Brother Jonathan, what, what, what? I die daily. It's an everyday thing. We have to surrender all of us so that we can allow God to flow through us unhindered. Preaching and demonstrating the kingdom. Now I want to read this next part. Note, freely you have received, freely give, refers to the authority given to them seven verses prior in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Let's read it. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of of disease. That word power means authority, privilege, mastery, force, capacity, delegated influence, force, freedom, or competency against unclean, impure spirits to cast or eject them out and to heal, relieve all manner of sickness, that's disease or illness, and all manner of disease, weakness or softness. It's interesting to note here that Sickness and disease are not the same Greek word, and there's no redundancy in what Jesus is saying. He is saying here that his disciples have been given delegated authority over all. All means all, any, every, the whole disease of diseases and illnesses. That's pretty cool. Wow. He didn't leave anything out. He said all. He said all. Next, he takes on all. That's the same word. Disease. This word implies weakness or softness, which results from disease and illness. It's never the Lord's intention to leave a human life in disrepair. He wants to bring wholeness. So in demonstrating the kingdom, we don't just heal the sickness or disease. We heal it and command that the body be whole. There are, I have 10 other verses here that I could read that back up this fact. God wants to bring wholeness. I'm not going to read those right now but there is a strong witness of scripture of that fact very strong witness of scripture verse 9 and 10 in Matthew 10 verse 9 says provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor scrip For your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves for the workman is worthy of his meat. Provide means to get or acquire. The implication here is that the Lord is sending the 12 out from him with needs. One of the greatest needs... (laughs) that we have in AX Central is human resources. There's never enough people to do everything. Never. Never. There's, There's always a gap that the Lord leaves. And in regards to sending out the disciples two by two, he sent them out with their resources lacking. Principle number three, live by faith. He left them with needs so that they could be, those needs could be provided by faith while they do the work. In verse 9, Jesus deals with finances. He instructs them not to take any money or anything they can exchange for money in their pockets. In verse 10, he decreases the need for packing for their journey even further and says, Nor script, which means they weren't supposed to take a wallet or a leather pouch for food. No extra shoes, no extra shoes, no staves. Now, this is not a walking stick, okay? I want to read to you what this means. This refers to it more of a club type of stick. What does that mean? What is this? What is this, this is a weapon, to ward off bandits, to ward off marauders. It's a good word, isn't it? Marauders, 'er ne'er-do-wellers. You know, evil people. The workmen, the toiler, figuratively the teacher, is the 12. And they, being a representation of the church, bring us to the realization that we are the workmen. And if we are to be worthy of our meat, our nourishment, we must walk by faith. We must. Paul said we walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This is is how we, we live our life in the kingdom. Okay? In Jesus' name. All right. Principle four. This is the last one. And after this, we're going to pray, and we're going to leave. All right. Unless you guys are staying here all night. I mean, everybody wanting to stay here? I'm sure the pastor wouldn't mind if we had a sleepover. Let's do it, Brother Kevin says. Let's do it. You can sleep here. I'm going home. (laughs) Matthew chapter 10, verse 11. All right. I... Love this verse. Verse 11, 12, and 13, actually, through verse 15, these verses, I love them. Let's read them together. Let's follow along, follow along, follow along. And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire in it. Inquire who in it is worthy. Inquire who in it is worthy. If I say inquire? That's a very important operative word there. Inquire. And there abide till you go thence. And when you come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words... When you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Principle four. Follow peace with all men, but do not give yourself to every person. Note. This is in reference, these verses, this is in reference to how we find or determine those we are to minister to or those that will be of help to us as we expand the kingdom in a particular region, city, town, or neighborhood. In part, verse 11 says, inquire who in it is worthy and there abide till you go hence. Inquire. Love this word. Love this word. Inquire means to test thoroughly by questions, to ascertain or to interrogate. Now, I will not embarrass myself by asking for a show of hands from all of those that I have ministered to over the last 15 years. How many of them have been interrogated by me? It's probably, a lot, probably all of them. I didn't realize I was doing this until I read this verse last fall. And I'm like, I'm like, Jesus. Jesus told us to do that. So I still do it. <laughs> he has not changed that yet. And I'm not certain that he will. We are to inquire, to test thoroughly by questions, to interrogate. Now, interrogation has a negative context. It can have a a negative context. But the point here is this. When you are of the kingdom, you are always on mission. And when you're always on mission, your questions must be precise to get the information that is necessary. Because... The mission is we are expanding the kingdom and we must know who is with us and who's against us. And while some of you have great discernment, you can put your feelers out there and just know this person is for me. There are others of us whose discernment is not like that. And the Lord just says, I can help everyone here. Make it simple for you. Just ask people questions. Just ask people questions, and the answers that you get from those questions will let you know how close to the kingdom they are. I have a coworker who doesn't like my questions. He does not like my questions because my questions draw lines, and they're precise, and they make him think about things he doesn't want to think about. I know this because he told me. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I asked him a question one day. He's, said, oh man, Isaac, your questions are so tough. They're not my questions, first of all, because if I'm following principle number two and number three, living by faith, and I'm listening and I'm preaching what he wants me to, doing, saying what he wants me to say, when I'm in a conversation, I'm not just saying what I want because I'm not of my kingdom. I have to be listening to him to know what to say and every time we get into this conversation with this guy I just wait and I, I sit, I'll, I'll sit quiet for an entire conversation until I, the Lord either gives me a question by him saying Isaac ask him this or sometimes it's just a, a fluttering thought it's, I wonder what he would say to this question it's not always, thus saith the Lord. It's not always the case. It's not always going to be the case. Sometimes you walk by trust. You ask what you know is supposed to be asked to get the answer. And when you ask that question, that question identifies, it's like a, it's like um it's like sighting in a, a target with a rifle or a gun on a ship. You might fire a couple times to get the range right. But that first one might go far or short, but the next one is going to be the reverse. But once you have that range locked in, I know where you're at. Why is this important? Why is this important? This is important because As people of the kingdom, we are supposed to pray. And we don't want to pray amiss. If you don't ask questions, you will not know what to pray for. You will have no idea. You'll just be praying, Lord, touch so-and-so. Lord, you know what they need. Oh la, la 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 Jesus touch them. That has its place. But we don't want to pray amiss. If you ask so and so a question and they answer, oh okay, and you go on a couple another couple days and you're just praying a covering of the love of Jesus on them, you ask another question and that one okay. they, they they've answered both questions now. Now you have a pretty good idea of where, the, where they're at. So you ask a third question, and with that one, you know exactly what's going on. You know exactly how to pray, and you go to your prayer closet, and you say, Lord, you know so-and-so. They're struggling with this. They need your help, and I lose this, this, and you, you just pray. Pour it on. Oh, prayer on them. Prayer works. It is the lifeblood of a kingdom person to pray. And if we don't ask the questions, we will not know what to pray for. So worthy means deserving, comparable, or suitable. The Holy Ghost is instructing here that we should not indiscriminately pray. Connect ourselves to just anyone as we expand the kingdom, see john two twenty four Another way to describe this process is found in first John chapter four verse one, where John writes, Beloved, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world while this verse is primarily discussing false prophets being among the people of God, there is application here for us to use this tool as part of expanding the kingdom. Furthermore, the word try here, the word try in 1st um, John, I think it's First John, no, no, no. Where is it? Hold on. Hold on. Please hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try the spirit. The word try there means to test or approve. This is the very same concept as inquire, as it's found in Matthew chapter 10. Same process. The Lord doesn't need us to be super spiritual, seeing visions. In the third heaven with Paul, having dreams as we lay upon our bed, the Lord doesn't need that. He needs us to willingly obey the things He has written about in His word. Things like ask questions. You know one things questions do? Middleton children, please plug your ears. There are times, as a parent of children, <clears throat> oh Lord, this is hard, hard to admit. It's hard to admit. That answering the questions of small children can become very burdensome. It's hard. Oh, it's hard sometimes. But what I've learned about most people, as, as, as most adults, most adults don't mind a question because it shows something about you and your character. It shows that you care. Now, if you are unwise with your interrogation, <laughs> Brother Barr, <laughs> and you start asking too much pertinent, pertinent information, people might start thinking, this guy has an agenda. What does he want from me? They might get the wrong impression. To further clarify, don't go to work tomorrow and interrogate all of your coworkers about the kingdom of God. Pray. Prepare your heart so that when you can hear the door open for, of their heart and you hear the correct question that has a that has a that has its bearing deep inside something that God has been dealing with you about and you can ask a question to an open heart that is much more effective again this is not about personality Is it my personality to ask interrogative-like questions? It absolutely is. But you know what's not my nature? To wait. Not my nature at all. But you put a soul in front of me that needs God, I can be the most patient, loving person ever. Why? because it's not about me it's not about my personality do I have the word of life inside of me absolutely could I ask the question right now that would be the one that yes I could but if that heart's not ready if that heart's not ready the question falls on deaf ears How do I know when a heart is ready? You ask questions. You listen for the voice of God that directs you in conversation. You listen for the needs of people as you're trying to minister to them. And sometimes the Lord will have you minister to a hard heart just to see if you're willing to obey. This is not about being super spiritual people. This is about allowing the Lord to live inside of me, allow his kingdom to increase in me so that then he can increase his kingdom through me. And these principles are are just very tangible ways that we can begin to engage the harvest. As we're, as, as we're continuing to prepare hearts, as we're preparing men and women to be licensed and to preach the gospel and to, to start new churches, as all those things are happening, we can't forget that this isn't just about them. This is about all of us. We all have a part to play, we all have a job to do, we all have a role to fulfill in the kingdom by God's grace because it's not about you or me it's about him it's about his glory it's about his glory Jesus I commit this to you by your grace I have done everything you've asked me to do tonight I commit this to you. I commit these people to you. Loose your hand to be upon us as we go from this place. Let the seed of your word grow. Let it germinate and let it grow. Let it bear fruit in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, because for your glory, we will do anything. To be obedient to you, to see you flow through us, we will do anything. Test us and try us, Lord. Give us opportunities to yield to you. Give us opportunities to expand your kingdom in us. Direct us. Direct us when to fast. Direct us when to pray. Direct us when to give. Direct us when to speak. Because we are a spirit led people. Oh, Lord, your sheep know your voice and they won't follow another. Give us your grace to recognize your voice and teach us to yield. Show us what living yielded looks like in each of our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.